This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and at dcaureview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 72 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal, with me as he is each and every episode, my good brother, the guy that runs our Twitter page, Liam. Liam, welcome back to the DCAU Review. Yeah, we got a fun one. We're we're still in the middle of our uh, our QVC or looking at Static Shock episodes, and much like with every non-Batman show that we uh, we look at, we don't generally look at these in exact order. We just kind of jump around and, and find some episodes that we think are fun or interesting or or what what have you. And I think we have one that qualifies for that in the Static Shock category today. That's right. As we talked about on last week's episode, which is the first episode of Static that we covered, we mentioned that we were going to be covering this one, which uh, at the time, Liam, I remember when this was premiering, how exciting it was because it was some new Batman material mixed in with Static. It was the first confirmation of Static being in the DCAU. And uh, it's it's a fun little episode. You know, you get the Joker coming to town. He is the main villain. Uh, but before we jump into plot, I, I, I assume that you have, as as the tradition we've started uh, a, a few months back, of you reading the IMDb synopsis for this week's episode. I, of course, do. And this is for The Big Leagues, uh, written by Len Yuli and directed by David Klistik. I'm probably butchering that. I apologize. But anyway, that synopsis reads as such. Static's enemies team up with the Joker and run amok throughout Dakota. And where there's the Joker, the dynamic duo can't be far behind. There we go. And uh, that's just not a teaser, folks. That's uh, that's that's for sure what happens. The <laughs> dynamic duo does indeed show up. Liam, so let's jump into plot. The plot here, we have the Clown Prince of Crime shows up and aids in the escape of one of the Bang Babies. As we mentioned last week, that is the name that all of the, and the unfortunate name that all of the villains end up getting classified as. They're not, uh, they're not super, they're not super villains. They're not metahumans. They're Bang Babies. Correct. So one of the Bang Babies who looks like a rat, or I guess his, his name is Ferret, I think. Yes. He's running amok through what appears to be a farmer's market, (laughs) which is how you know that we're not in Gotham. (laughs) You know that you're not in Gotham when when the the villain is destroying a farmer's market. So uh, he's escaping static and gets aided in his escape by a man that has some balloons who lures him into the sewer, which is a pretty, pretty... Cute nod to the Stephen King's It, I guess. Ooh, yeah. That's topical right now that the second movie just came out. I know. And, uh, synergy. Synergy right there. <laughs> uh, product placement, even, if you, w- if you will. Um, crossover. 
Uh, yeah, that's right. So we have we have uh, the Joker, of course, then shows up and reveals his diabolical plan that he's recruited a lot of Statics rogues to be his henchmen. <laughs> yeah, sort of, essentially, um, which I don't know, Liam. So what, let's get to, we'll, we'll start with your thoughts on the plot and then I'll throw my two cents in here. Uh, what were your general feelings beyond this? Because the dynamic duo, of course, is then brought in and they help static foil the joker and his plot which ended up being stealing fire trucks <laughs> well i guess that's uh we could i guess well i'll i'll get my nitpicks out of the way because i do generally think this is a pretty fun episode but um yeah it's like it's not exactly clear was joker gonna like take all of these guys back to gotham with him like if batman and robin don't show up was he just was he just gonna live in dakota from here on out it's not exactly clear, like what the further plan was, besides from recruiting, recruiting a uh, hot streak and Shiv and Kangor and Talon to be his new, his new henchmen. Beyond that, as you said, they they steal a fire truck, which they then use for like a death trap uh, catapult thing. And aside <laughs> from that, they, I mean, they they rob a bank at one point. But it's it's not exactly clear to me whether or not there was like a further plan beyond uh, beyond just I guess causing some mayhem. I don't I don't know if there's yeah if uh, if there was a plan. Maybe that could have been handled in dialogue if he was mentioning he was gonna you know go back to Gotham and and take the fight to Batman from there or what his plan was before uh, you know before Batman and Robin came to him, but. Well, as Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker once stated, does he look like a guy with a plan? <laughs> you know, I, maybe that was sure. the point. You know, he he didn't have a plan, but yeah, you would figure there would have been. He has a throwaway line where he mentions that his old gang got thrown in the clink by Batman, and that's he had heard about these super powered baddies and decided to come to Dakota to to see what all the fuss was about or something like that. That's the general, yeah. general <laughs> explanation of why he shows up to Dakota. Yeah. So and has a line where he's like, uh, the message, cause he leaves a message, I think on ferrets after, uh, you know, he get Joker gasses him and leaves him to be found by the police. And Batman takes that message to mean he's bored and he's looking for a new challenge or something. But, um, yeah, it's not so. It's it's not a. I don't think anyone was going to win a, an Emmy award for the the scripting here. Um, sure, but I do think there are elements of it that are cool. Um, I like the idea of Joker kind of taking all of these impressionable young villains under his wing. Uh, we see him do that in a Justice League episode that we haven't yet reviewed, but we will, I'm sure, someday. Uh, Wild Cards, where he does this with the Royal Flush Gang, but I think the idea of him. That that's very a very Joker thing is that he's he's uh, you know he's attracts these very kind of vulnerable and and damaged people who are kind of willing to then go to war for him you know obviously the most obvious example being Harley or something like that but um, so I think that that's an interesting idea and the basic idea of the Gotham people kind of underestimating the Dakota crew in in on both sides like Batman and Robin kind of get ambushed by uh, all of Static's villains and captured. And then at the end, it's the Joker who just decides not to bother capturing Static 
uh, and then Static is able to kind of figure out where they are and and save Batman and Robin, and they're able to take them all down together. So it's, I, I like that basic idea of how it's like kind of the on both sides the the big stars from Gotham kind of underestimate the the Dakota people a little bit, and and then they they all kind of and, and Static kind of earns Batman's respect at the end. So yeah, like I said, it's not it's not the the deepest plot we'll we'll talk about in uh, in any of these shows but it's not it's citizen fine. kane it's not citizen kane right correct it's not heart of ice it's not uh you know something like that but it's 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 fine i i gave plot 6 out of 10 i think it's good i don't think it's like i said i don't think it's great it's not super deep but i think it's a fun plot and there's are good elements in there okay i'm right around there i gave it a 5 out of 10 um which Certainly isn't a knock, as you said, on the fun factor, I would say, of the episode. It's just there are some plot holes. It I feel at times they did a very good job, I feel like, of not undermining Static completely because this is Static's show. So you don't want it to be that, oh, Static can't handle this, so Batman has to come in and save his bacon. But at the same time... Static also shouldn't be shown on the level of Batman. So I think they, they do a good job of balancing that. They Batman Batman doesn't need Static's help to simply defeat the Joker. It's be on his own. It's because Batman and Robin got overpowered by these metahumans that had powers that they weren't familiar with and overpower them and ambush them. Uh, right. So uh, I think they did a good job at that, but I, I feel like on the flip side of that, while the the statics rogues do, do get their time to shine in that scene where they attack Batman and allow, you know, they're the ones that capture him for the Joker. They are just glorified lackeys, which takes, obviously this is only the second episode of static that we've reviewed, but these guys are supposed to be legitimate threats to static. These are supposed to be rogue. Right. And it kind of just sit, puts them in the, you know, in the backseat, you even have where the title of the episode comes from. You know, one of the one of the bang babies is is trying to resist joining the Joker or, you know, is sort of airing his his thoughts of opposition uh, of being a member of, of the Joker's gang. And he says, oh, come on, man. Now, now this is the big leagues like. Right. Like, oh, so what you're doing as as villains, you're not real villains. You're just kind of like junior members of the villains. Which, right. Even even though, I, you know, in the D- grand scheme of the DCAU, if you're self-aware, yeah, they're definitely junior villains. They're not on the same level as a Lex Luthor or, or a Brainiac or a Darkseid or, you know, even probably Dr. Polaris or Golden Face even. You know, they're, they're, probably, they're probably several steps. Or Golden Face. Um, you know, the, the, they're, they're probably several several rungs below them. But at the same time, I think that the hallmark of a villain sometimes is the hubris to to believe that they are capable of of ending the world or they're the biggest threat. They're the biggest threat in the any room they walk into. So for them to sort of be relegated and accept the fact that they were, you know, glorified lackeys was a uh, was I think a, a misstep and and maybe detracted a little bit and made them see feel like also rants. That's um, fair. Um, there's a little bit of, I think, when in the final fight with uh, where Hot Streak and Kangor are sort of arguing over which one of them is going to kill Batman. 
and that sort of allows him to take them both out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit of that, of the, those egos coming into play. But yeah, for the most part, they are pretty much uh, subservient to the Joker immediately. And other than with Ferret and that little scene that you mentioned, we don't really even see how he recruited them or the, you know, the rest of the crew are already with him when, when, when we first see the Joker again. So yeah, there's, there's some, some steps missing maybe in explaining just how he was able to get them all over on his side, other than the fact that they're just young and impressionable. And, and, uh, you know, like you said, like, like they say in the episodes that this is like a real big time supervillain, which you're right. When, on another episode after this, if Hot Streak or Kangor is the main villain of the episode again, you're like, man, I saw Robin <laughs> beat this right. guy up in like two minutes. Why? Why is Why is Static having to fight this guy like six times before he can catch him? Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah it's, it's a fine line there. I think I think that always happens when you do like groups of villains that have been main villains on other episodes. Because eventually you only have so much time and they're always going to have to sacrifice a little bit of their screen time and their uniqueness, I think, to be part of a group. Fair enough. All right. Let's move on, Liam, to let's jump to music, actually. Um, Music in this episode, for me, the highlights were the cues of the Batman theme that snuck in there a few different times. Yeah, they went with the Danny Elfman theme rather than the uh, the Shirley Walker theme, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was, and it's played not with your typical strings or or orchestral type music. It's done in the same Vogue sort of a. I guess it's a keyboard that made a sound with an you know electric type sound uh, yeah. that a keyboard would have, maybe electric organ or something like that that comes through. So it is definitely unique, and you said it is. It is as you said, it's the Danny Elfman theme as opposed to the Shirley Walker theme, which was a little bit, I would say, jarring at, at, at times. But it was still cool that they were able to at least use that. One of the things that we nitpicked, if you go back and listen to our Justice League episode uh, of uh, Secret Invasion, which you can hear in the archives at DCA. <laughs> Sorry, what did I say? Secret Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion was the Marvel Comics event of about. 12 years ago oh boy it's late <laughs> uh, secret <laughs> secret origins rather secret origins no scrolls in this one no. uh see, that we secret, know of. that we know of right secret origins if you go back and listen to that one of the it, again available in the archives at dcaureview.com one of the things that i nitpicked was that they did not use the batman theme the batman theme wasn't used at all and i would have killed to have even the danny elfman <laughs> theme i think in that episode to make an impact so it was cool that they were able to slip that in there and it, it's cool when when batman and static are teaming up and you, and you hear it as he's running into battle to 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 hear it um i i, I gave it uh, an overall score of five out of ten just because i don't think that everything nothing else made too much of an impact for me there was some good background music during the fighting, but and uh, I think in the scene where they robbed the bank, there was some generic rock music. But other yeah. than that, nothing really made made too much of an impact for me. So five out of ten. What about you? I'm a little bit stronger. I went I went seven out of ten. Um, this is also since we're in season two now. This is we have the second of three Static Shock uh, main themes. This is the the straight up Run DMC ripoff uh, theme. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And uh, I enjoyed that, and that kind of plays throughout some of the the action beats with Static as well. I like that song, and I, I enjoyed the uh, the Danny Elfman uh, theme. Uh, hearing that and hearing it sort of, as you said, played on like a you know some like there's like a lot of I think yeah keyboard and whatever the more electronic sounding was uh, was a really interesting idea. So yeah, um, not not a ton other than that, but I did think for the most part the music added a lot more than it took away whereas last week it just kind of was just there so yeah I, I enjoyed the music on this show okay all right let's move on to our next category liam which is animation and visuals so i mentioned before we started recording that i felt that this was a major upgrade over the very first episode that we watched i would compare the animation in this episode to probably that of or maybe a slightly better than an episode of The Tick. Um, <laughs> very, that's what I would that's what I compare it to, which The Tick is a fine animated series, near and dear to our hearts, much Absolutely. appreciated, very underrated, but it's not definitely not on the same level as Batman Animated Series or any of the other fine DCAU program so it's still lagging behind there's still i think some missteps in this episode uh, do you have any general thoughts on on animation yourself um not much beyond that um i think that's that's a good point i do think the animation is much better i also think as far as the just general look of this show a lot of this this episode takes place at night so i think and i always think you can hide a little bit of as far as character designs and things like that goes, and some of your animations can be hit a little bit better if if the, the palette's a little darker and there's more shadows. Um, we've mm-hmm. talked about that with Justice League and other shows before, so um, this is not necessarily unique in that way, but I, I definitely think this episode had much more of a unique feel to it. Um, as far as other visual things, the, the entrance of Batman and Robin into the episode is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you just hear Batman speaking from off screen and then... You, you just see their silhouettes in the in the in the shadows, and then lightning strikes behind them, and and then it goes back to the shadow. It's really really cool. Um, get to see the original. Speaking of uh, uh, weird uh, design choices, we see the original Batman the Animated Series Batplane for some reason. I was about to ask you about that. Yeah, what your what your thoughts on a why they chose the BTAS version of the Batplane, and b is it better than the new Batman Adventures Batplane? It's. I think it's a more memorable design than the new Batman Adventures Batplane. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I was never like super jazzed about either version of the Batplane, especially in the original Batman the Animated Series, just because it's such a grounded and gritty show, and then Batman's flying around in what basically looks like a flying saucer. Always feels like it's kind of uh, a weird thing. So it definitely fits better in these newer episodes, I think, than uh, than. And it's it's a more visually interesting. One of the things that inter- interested me is there's a part where the the bat plane is descending and like a hatch opens up underneath, like much like the Batman Beyond Batmobile, and mm-hmm. it's like all red on the inside. And Batman and Robin are like standing up and they jump out of it. I'm trying to figure out where they were in the plane. <laughs> Because I don't think I'm trying to figure out like, do the seats like recline and retract, and then they stand up it where they were standing? Because it doesn't seem like that bat plane cockpit is big enough for them to be like fully standing 
around to, to make their dramatic uh, entrance into that scene. But It's funny that you mention that, because one of the big issues that I had with this episode was there were some perspective problems. Mm. That one leads, leads to that one, because you're absolutely right. They were super tiny coming out of that thing, as if they were falling out of a Star Destroyer or... <laughs> You know, a an actual jet fighter, or you know, an actual seven forty seven, or something. At, you know, yeah. if they were if they were jumping out of. Clearly, that's not what the bat plane is. The bat plane is a one person or two person jet that is big enough to fit that person and just happens to have wings. Like it's 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 pretty much like a like an air force, you know, an air force pilot in a plane, you're not going to stand up inside an air force jet. You're not, that's, there's not enough room for you to walk down. Like you don't get out of the seat and then walk down and go down to where the engine room is. Like there's not not room. There's not not rooms in, in those air fighters or fighter jets. So yeah, I I would, I would concur with that. I I think that uh, the choice to go with the Batman animated series, bat plane, sort of fit for me at least because it seemed that whoever the artist was on this episode did a job like it looked like they had taken character models or or really studied batman the animated series the original because even robin's hair at times kind of looks like the dick grayson model from the from batman animated series Mm -hmm. um there were issues too with robin's height sometimes he was up around batman's shoulders sometimes he was shorter than static it was there was recognition right. of that too. Anyway, but whoever initially looked at it at least modeled them really similarly after the original Batman animated series models, but then also looked at the new Batman adventures and sort of did like this meld between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are scenes where if you remember, and we haven't reviewed too many episodes, well, any episodes of the new Batman adventures yet, but we did do world's finest, but Batman had, little or no details on his face. Uh, I noticed in one of the closing scenes, Batman has some lines on his face that were reminiscent of the Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the visuals were, were combined between the two of these, but I don't necessarily think that that was a good thing. Okay. Uh, what, yeah, did you give, I, what did you give a score for an, for animation visuals? Uh, I gave it a seven out of 10. I generally enjoy uh, most of the fight scenes I think are well done. Um, seeing Batman and Robin mix it up with uh, these super colorful static villains, I think is fun. Um, and I like the way that all of the static villains' powers are visualized. I think Shiv is a, uh, you know, it's just a guy with knives for hands. Like on paper, that's not like a super exciting power, but the like the big glowing purple knife hands, I think, is a really cool look. Um, I like, it is interesting. You mentioned Robin being sort of inconsistently, uh, sized, uh, in this episode because they make a point of even saying there's a line that Robin has about how he doesn't want to be called the boy wonder anymore because he's getting too old for it. So, uh, but certain times to me, he looked at the same size, if not maybe smaller than (laughs) he did in the new Batman, in some episodes of the new Batman adventures. So, uh, yeah, I think the the inconsistency hurt this. Um, I think this could have been closer to a perfect score if uh, if some if some of those inconsistencies weren't there. I still generally think it's a pretty fun episode. Uh, like I said, because of because uh, of the fight scenes, seeing uh, I, the the uh, some of the the background stuff too, I thought was cool. Like in 
in Joker's office, he has the photo of Harley and he has a, like a number one boss mug or something on his, on his desk, which I thought was cool. I thought they thought some of the environments, some of the backgrounds were cool. Um, cause it's just like a sewer and kind of some generic like warehouse type looks, but I thought they did a pretty good job of trying to uh, make those kind of old hat generic uh, villain hideouts uh, have a little bit more personality than usual. So yeah, I, I gave it seven out of 10, a, a, a good outing, but certainly not perfect. I'm right there. Very similar. Uh, take lower went six out of 10. Now I explained some of those reasons why I felt like it fell short. I think that it's certainly, certainly a major improvement over last week's episode where I gave it a two out of 10. Sure. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to some of these episodes moving forward. And again, as we head towards season three, which uh, we'll talk about our next couple episodes as we get towards the end of the program. But uh, yeah, uh, definite improvement, but uh, still missed the mark in a couple places. So Liam, let's tackle our final category of the day. Final category will be, of course, voice actors. And of course, we have quite the variety of people here, as you sort of alluded to at the beginning of the episode, some longtime favorites and professionals here uh before you get into the uh well actually i'll I'll let you get into our 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 players here the only thing that i will mention um about that is well actually no let me go ahead and introduce the players and then i'll give my two cents how about that okay fair enough um yeah so we have a, a pretty sizable cast you had all of the regular static villains as we mentioned in the episode you had danny cooksey back as hot streak you had uh phil lamar pulling double duty as kangor you have uh, Tia Texada as Talon. You had uh, Brian Tochi as Shiv and uh, Chick Venera as Ferret. And then, as I mentioned, Philomar, of course, being the, the main uh, static shock, the main character of the episode. You had Jason Morrison briefly in there as Richie, but perhaps for the best, he was his interactions were, were kept to a minimum in this episode. <laughs> and uh, and then we had our, 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 our big-time guests. We have... Of course, uh, we have Eli Marenthal playing Tim Drake Robin in this episode, who folks would probably know when he was a younger lad as the voice uh, of Hogarth Hughes in The Iron Giant. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, he also vo- Yes, absolutely. Uh, also voices Robin in the mystery of the Batwoman movie a couple of years ago. Oh, I didn't realize he, he uh, reprised the role. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, there's, I think the next time Robin is on an episode of Static Shock, it's not him, but... Uh, here and Mystery of the Batwoman, he's uh, he's the the slightly older version of Tim Drake, uh, and then we have, of course, Kevin Conroy's Batman the Goat. Not not a ton new to to report on the Kevin Conroy file. Uh, still real good, and uh, had a, I think he he does a solid good job there. You know, he's just there to be Batman, and he you know I like the interactions between him and Static. I think they're really fun. And, of course, we have Mark Hamill's Joker. He's delightful, as always. Um, and, yeah, that pretty much rounds out the, the our usual players here. I guess, big picture, what were your uh, voice acting thoughts? Uh, I, I think it's, of course, when you have all these, all these uh, professionals, people have been doing it for a long time around, it's, it's hard not to say, oh, well, they're the GOAT, they're the best. Um, my only my only thoughts on this, I, I felt like when it came to Batman, it felt almost like his 
audio. It wouldn't surprise me to learn that he didn't record this the way that they classically did it, which was with everybody in the room at the same time. It was right. a time that felt like that they were canned responses, that uh, they were sort of isolated or you know taken taken out of context and placed in there. Like they had taken bits and pieces from other places and made Kevin Conroy say things because they didn't want to bring him in. Like that's obviously not what happened, but that's the general feel of it. I don't think it was bad. It just, I think it has something to do also with the tone of static overall. And then you have this dark brooding Kevin Conroy, Batman voice come in and go along with Phil Lamar's sort of, goofy not really serious portrayal of static at the same time it's just it's a weird it's a weird mashup between the two the joker of course the joker's performance is always great but i felt like they almost put reins on the joker in this episode in that he never quite loses his mind he doesn't have that one moment where his laugh is just out of control that moment that we talk about in each and every joker episode where we're like well that's it there's the joker <laughs> laugh that we all know and love there's the signature laugh that is like unlike any other laugh that he's ever done um yeah it just seemed like a little bit of a muted performance on on both of their parts i don't think it was from lack of effort i think it was just it has something to do with it it being dropped into this sort of new and different type of cartoon i guess i uh, is is i guess how i could make it feel so i don't think it was bad it definitely you're not gonna never hear me say that it was a bad <laughs> kevin conroy performance or a bad mark hamill performance or uh, even a bad phil lamar performance but i think it's just it's a weird combination of the three of them and and at times it felt muted or sort of out of place um i gave i gave voice acting six out of ten uh i'm a little stronger than that i I generally really enjoyed this. I gave it 8 out of 10. Um, I do agree. And Kevin Conroy would have been in production. I mean, Justice League would have been in production. I think it was already airing because I believe this episode premiered in like uh, January of 02. And so Justice League, yeah, Justice League premiered at the end of 01. So he very well may have had to come in and record uh, him and him and or Mark Hamill may have had to come in and record separately from the rest of the cast. I'm sure that happened from time to time when they're, when they're, when you're doing a guest spot on what is not your regular show. Oh, for sure. Um, so that, 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 that certainly could be part of it. I generally do think it, I really enjoyed the interactions between uh, static and Batman and Robin. I think that that's an interesting dynamic, just and some of the, the real basic stuff, like they're, uh, like looking at ferret shoes and like doing detective work and Robin kind of Batman and Robin kind of to do so he was dragged. He wasn't there. Uh, he wasn't carried or he didn't walk here on his own and static was, Oh yeah, obviously. Like I, I like some of that stuff where you can tell he's, he's trying not where static is very truly trying not to let on just sort of how out of his depth he feels in the moment. And, um, so I, I generally think everybody did a, a pretty good job. I liked the interactions between Static and Robin. I kind of wish there was a just a Static and Robin episode somewhere in this in this series. I think I agree. Uh, um, maybe and you know later on in I think it's in, in the with the next Batman episode. Uh, there's there's a mention of a of of the Titans, and we never get to see exactly who is on the DCAU uh, version of the Titans. So it's like. Yeah. 
maybe maybe there could have been at some point uh, an idea somewhere or a pitch somewhere where Static and and this Tim Drake Robin were part of the the DCAU version of the Titans. That that might have been cool to see, but uh, as as it stands, I think it's it's generally pretty good, and and I think the voice acting for the most part, other than some of the stuff that you mentioned, I I, I think it was really strong. There you go. All right, well, from time to time, we do lightly disagree here. I don't know that anything required the disagreement alarm today, but, you know, from time to time, we do we will disagree on things here or there. So it's uh, refreshing. The last couple of weeks, we've actually disagreed a little bit on, on quite a few. So I think that brings us to our, our final scores for the day. So, Liam, totaling up everything from my end here, we end up with a total score of 22 out of 40. What about you? Yeah, and I'm a little bit higher on the scale there, 28 out of 40. There you go. Well, either way, we're both higher than we did last week. So this this is a vast improvement over Definitely. last week's episode. And uh, I guess we can talk rewatchability, Liam. I think, for me at least, if you're going to point out some episodes of Static to Watch, we talked about last week, hey, this is an introduction. You know, it's not pivotal necessarily to 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 watching it but hey if you're going to watch episodes yeah you might as well throw in the throw in the the premiere episode for me this is a fun episode again just because the score was what it was doesn't mean that this was not a fun episode oh, yeah. to watch it's even though we get through yeah it, it barely felt like you know barely felt like a um a 20 it's 21 minutes or 22 minutes whatever it is and it, it doesn't feel it doesn't drag at any point so i would give this the thumbs up to go ahead and watch again or watch recommendation to watch through it uh what about you yeah and obviously this is this is static's first meeting with that that larger dc animated universe um and we talked a little bit last week about how it kind of felt at the start that they didn't know yet that, <laughs> that it was going to be part of the DCAU. And in fact, that's true because apparently in one of the early episodes that it was, it was edited out on reruns, but there's some line in one of the very early episodes about Clark Kent. So in like a context of like knowing that he's Superman. So um, they had, so that ended up getting edited out for reruns, I think. So you, this was this is obviously kind of a big moment and a big reset for the show by establishing that it is part of this this continuity and that you, know, you have the Joker who's you know his we didn't really talk about his design but it's right out of the Return of the Joker flashbacks and how he looks on Justice League and so it's 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 an important episode I think because obviously there are more DCAU team ups for Static and as we mentioned Static shows up in Justice League as well so. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's for the simple fact that it's a fun episode, and for the fact that it's you know the first meeting of of these static characters with these uh, you know these larger DC heroes. I think it's uh, yeah, it's, I definitely think it's a, a, a thumbs up for uh, rewatchability for sure. All right, Liam. Uh, so that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. We appreciate everybody for tuning in and giving us a listen. Liam, you got a preview for next week's episode for the good listeners at home. Yeah, so we did a poll, and we had thrown a couple ideas around, but we didn't really have a concrete idea, so I threw up a poll on Twitter, appreciate it, got a lot of feedback on it, and the winner of that poll... Live reveal right here, folks. Yes, I am pulling it up on Twitter, so I don't want there to be dead air, so I'm just going to keep rambling here. 
By the way, while he's pulling that up, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at DCAU Review. Liam's on there. Does a great job of running our Twitter page. You can always interact with him. He tweets out, of course, the brand new links when episodes drop. He also talks throughout the week, discusses fan theories, saw some discussion this week regarding some uh, some pretty interesting stuff with the static timeline, where that falls in with the DCAU, where the, who the Titans were, uh, some stuff working with, uh, talking about some of the stuff that the Watchtower database worked on. So always some good conversations to be had over there. Definitely. And I will reveal the, uh, the results for our, of our poll here. Uh, the winning episode is the episode Sons of the Fathers. Um, so that is, I think this is an episode that a lot of people who have watched this series remember. It involves very, very serious real world topics and, uh, it will be an interesting one to review where I believe that's back in season one. So it may not be the strongest from a visual standpoint. We'll see, but, uh, looking forward to it. I've, I've, I hear a lot of great things about this episode. I believe I maybe saw it once on kids WB back in the day, but have not rewatched it in several, several years now. So that is the one that won the poll. And that's the one that I heard the most passionate, uh, arguments for on our Twitter this week. Uh, had a few other options in the poll, which I'm sure we'll review, uh, next time we come back to static, but for, uh, yeah, for next week, it'll be the episode sons of the father. There we go. And we are looking forward to that. Next week will be the final episode of Static for the Month. We'll kick off the new month of October. We'll reveal what we're covering then on next week's episode. But until then, I am Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.